So what's the one major thing that defines your worth as a sales rep? Or how about a principal? Maybe anybody with an education. What about a landscaping person? I did that for several years in college. What defined my worth there? How about an accountant or a banker or a nurse? Now there's one thing that defines the worth of each of those roles. And it's the same thing for each of those roles that I just mentioned, plus whatever role you're in. But what is it? And how do we nurture it? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode is about the go-giver way, adding value to people's lives. Bob Berg. Yes, dude. So glad I got this guy. Bob Berg is one of the authors of The Go-Giver, a little story about a powerful business idea. And it's now in my top 10 books that I recommend to people. No joke. Jumped right up there. I'm talking like Atomic Habits and these uh, never split the difference. You could stop listening to this now, buy the book, and I'd be happy for you. But, but don't do that because I want you to hear from Bob directly. You will be encouraged, challenged, and intrigued. We even find out how he feels about mosquitoes in this episode. So set your thoughts about how to get ahead in life aside for just a moment, a few moments. Like take the next 28 minutes and set that aside to listen to Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver. A go-giver is simply someone who, who understands, maybe they learned, maybe they always intuitively knew that shifting your, your focus, and this is really where it all begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Um, understanding that doing so is uh, not only a more fulfilling way uh, to conduct business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well not for any kind of way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical type of reasons, not at all. Uh, it's actually very, very rational, very logical when you think about it, when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and and focus instead on serving others, discovering what they need, what they want, what they desire. When you can move off of yourself and onto helping them solve their problems and challenges when you can make it not about you, but about, about moving another person closer to happiness. People feel good about you. They actually, they feel great about you. <laughs> they, they want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to do business with you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to tell others about you. They want to be your personal walking ambassador. And whether we're talking about this in the context of sales or leadership, it's all the same thing. That, uh, you know, to the degree that you can the, that you can bring value to others and make that your focus, that's the that's the degree to which they are going to do business with you. They're going to follow you. They're going to want to be part of your world. Is a go giver someone that just says yes all the time then? Because uh, I, I feel like from reading your, your content and, and following you uh, that I know the answer to this, but. I think that's something that you could help our audience out with, you know. So, what, what is a go giver? Somebody that just is a yes man. Well, actually, a go giver tends to need to say no a lot more than yes, because when you're doing business this way, you're going to be very influential. You're gonna, you're going to have a lot of things that people want, and they're going to want a lot of things from you, and so forth. And while you want to, of course 
you know, do all you can for everyone. And, and you will do that where, uh, to the degree it's appropriate. You simply, you know, nobody can, <laughs> nobody can do all, do all that and still be able to serve the way they need to serve. So, so no, a, a go-giver needs to say no most of the time. Now, the, the, the difference though, in the way a go-giver would do it, as opposed to maybe others who, who don't, work through that philosophy is a go-giver is always going to do it in a way that's very kind and very respectful and honors the other person and does so in a way with tact, kindness, and diplomacy so that the other person feels good about themselves, genuinely good about themselves and good about about you. So, uh, no, it's certainly, and there's there's never any, you know, in, in no way should a go-giver ever be, uh, being a go-giver ever be uh, thought to be congruent with being anyone's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial uh, in any way, shape, or form, or having to say yes to, to every uh, every request. That's good. Uh, could you uh, quickly go over the the five laws that you and John lay out in the book? Sure. The five laws are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The law of value says your true worth uh, in the business sense, of course, is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. And really, this means, uh, you, can, you know, you first hear that, by the way, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Give more in value than you take in payment. That sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. Um, so we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, um, what is it about this, this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another human being that they will willingly uh, exchange their money for this value and feel great about it while you make a, uh, a very healthy profit. So on a very basic, just a very basic example, uh, you hire an accountant to do your taxes and she charges you $1,000. That's her fee or literally her price, $1,000. But what value does she provide that makes this so worthwhile? Well, through her years of experience, her her time, her interest in you and learning about you and your business and what you need, uh, she's able to save you, let's say, $5,000 in taxes. She also saves you hours and hours of time, right? Freeing you up to do what you'd rather be doing or can do more productively. She also provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So she's given you well, well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. She gave you more in value than she took in payment. So you feel great about it. And she also made a very healthy profit because it was worth it for her to to uh, to lease her time, her energy, her knowledge, her skills for that $1,000. But the key, and this is what's so important, this happened not because she was focused on her fee. She was focused on the exceptional value she was providing you. The fee was simply the reward. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the 
thunder, if you will, to values lightning, meaning simply that the value must come first. That must be the focus. The, the money you receive is a, a natural result of the value you've provided. And by the way, this same principle holds true as a leader right? It's the focus you're, you're giving to that person you're leading, making it, making it worth their while so it benefits them and they choose to follow you. So good. And, and what does it look like when we flip that? What does it look like when value isn't a priority for, for us or for a leader? Well, let's put it this way. And I, I say this when I speak at sales conferences. Uh, it's sometimes it's the very first thing I'll say, and that is nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're not going to, uh, they're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a nice person. But, and by the way, they're not going to follow you just because you would like to see your ideas be acted upon. People are going to buy from you. People are going to follow you because they believe that ultimately they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. So if you don't put the value that you're providing them first, what you're looking to accomplish probably isn't going to happen. And, and how does somebody, uh, you spoke to this a little bit in the example of the accountant, but how does somebody add value without breaking the bank? Oh, value doesn't have to, to break the bank. There's many ways to do it. Uh, you know, there's, there's, Many ways to communicate value. They, they they tend to come down to five what we call elements of value, though, and, and they are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And, you know, within those, there are many, many different different ways you can you can do that. Um, but, you know, it just even sharing information with others. Uh, a kind word to others, a connection that you make for someone else. There, there's just, you know, there's, there's just so many ways. All right. Imagine you're frustrated because your stupid computer isn't connecting to the printer again. Ugh. Now you have to reach out to a colleague who's already wearing too many hats. You don't want to do that. You want to get this stuff done and they're already too busy, but they'll probably just tell you to restart and see if that works. So let me just restart this thing. Oh my goodness. It's still not working. Now imagine that you're at home on a weekend and that problem happens to you there. You're working on that report that's being presented to that team for that thing that you need to have done for tomorrow, Monday, because today's Sunday because you're working after hours because you're trying to get ahead and you can't call that colleague, but you still have to get this stuff done. So what do you do? Well, CCB technology would be the answer to this problem. CCB's outsourced help desk covers you, the user, not just your machine, but that doesn't help me. Yes, it does because it's 24 seven coverage. Oh, that changes things. On top of that, CCB's help desk engineers start working on the issue in most cases in under 90 seconds of answering your phone call. Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. But what about like, if I get a bad experience, glad you asked every issue, every ticket that's submitted, every issue that you encounter gets a follow-up survey. So you can let the executive team know directly about your experience. Those go to the entire executive team at CCB Technology. Currently, the satisfaction rate at CCB for outsourced help desk is 4.92 out of 5, with 5 being the highest. Need to clarify that because what if 5 was the lowest? It's not. So now you know. You can't beat that with a stick. I dare you to try. Anyways... You should let CCB Technology make your life easier when it comes to help desk issues. Go to ccbtechnology.com. We make IT simple. Now, back to the show. 
Now, your book covers a ton of ground, uh, mentorship, service, values we've been talking about, influence, listening, humility. What are some of the responses that have surprised you since the book came out? So <laughs> when it first came out, one of the biggest surprises, and it, and it shouldn't have been a surprise necessarily, but it, but it was, uh, and that is the, the, the number of emails that John and I both received from what we would call the early um, adopters, if you will. And these were people who were already very, very successful long before they ever read the book. And what they said to us was, this is exactly what I try to tell people. This is exactly what I've been teaching people on my team and my company and my organization, what have you. And nobody believes me. <laughs> and and so why is that? Well, it's because the way we've been brought up, everything from, you know, uh, upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, it, it has such an opposite, you know, there's this opposite uh a reflection of what success is. And that's that horrible, terrible, ruthless, money-hungry, you know, selfish person who just stomps up, right? And so that's what people have, have, you know, that's what most people believe, unfortunately. So so we were delighted when we found out that, you know, the people who first adopted the book, these were people who are, they already understood this. And what they did is they used the book basically as third-party credibility. And so that was that was probably the, you know, again, surprising, even if it, it maybe shouldn't have. Then the second wave of of adopters were the people who, you know, received the book from those people who were there. This might seem like a very, I don't know, low level, low uh, bottom shelf question, but I am I'm interested. What drives you to care about this topic as much as you do? Oh, it's a great question because I think it's all, you know, it, it, it uh, you know, everything eventually comes back to our pursuit of happiness, right? I mean, when you think about it, you, you can talk about all these other things, and, and but if you keep peeling the, you know, the layers of the onion as to why people do anything, it's because there's a sense of happiness that it brings them. And this is something I believe in. It's something that brings me joy. And I think when you, I think as human beings, it's a, it's a, a definite element of human nature that we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We want to feel as though we've made a contribution. And again, there's nothing self-sacrificial about this. <laughs> I feel good about it. I enjoy it. And so, you know, I think that's how, how life works when we really tap into some of the goodness of it. You're hitting on something that reminded me from the book, The, the Law of Receptivity. Mm -hmm. Is that still a piece that people struggle with the most? Oh, I think it's the, the yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the one law that, you know, People struggle with them. Absolutely. And, and again, we, we've got to go back to why. We've got to, you know, question the premises and say, okay, well, why is this? Why is it that people can grasp those first four laws and just run with it? And at the law of receptivity, the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Why is that so difficult? Because when you think about it, the law of receptivity is simply saying, hey, you know, you breathe out. You also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're simply two sides of the very same coin. They work in tandem. So why is this so difficult? And again, I'm going to go back to all the anti-prosperity messages that we're hit with constantly. And again, from whether it's from the time we're born, whether, you know, it's a, you know, whether it's taught 
you know, in family that, you know, well, money doesn't grow in trees. And then, you know, I, I didn't get those kinds of messages, but a lot of people did. Uh, but then we, we pretty much all get them once we're old enough to be around, you know, an environment of friends and, and school teachers and other people. And, you know, and, and, and we watch TV and we, we see horrible anti-prosperity messages about how there's always two kinds of people. There's the good people who are always portrayed as poor and struggling and the uh, evil people who are portrayed as rich, right. And, and, uh, uncaring and unkind. And, and we see those and it can't help, but get into somebody's head and, more insidiously get into their unconscious, not just the conscious, right? And so if you have conflicting values where you're brought up to be honest and truthful and righteous and helpful and so forth, but everything you're really seeing and experiencing is saying that, you know, money is bad and business people are crooks and this and that, you know, now you get to a, a you're in a situation where you're starting to bring really great value to the world around you, to the marketplace. And you're, you're kind of in a position where you can be making a lot of money. And well, those old, those old subconscious tapes start firing at you. Well, but if I do, uh, what's that going to mean? Was I dishonest? Did I do something wrong? Am I going to change? What are people going to say about me? And, and so forth. So it's a real internal struggle, which is a, a reason why I suggest making a study, a proactive study of prosperity. And there are so many people who do great work in this regard. People like Randy Gage and the late Bob Proctor, David Nagel, uh, Sharon Lecter, Ellen Rogan, um, Ken Honda, uh, uh, so many, I hate to even leave anybody out. There's so many people doing great work in that regard. And, and you can study these people. They all have blogs and books and videos and, and all this. Uh, those are, you know, I think it's important because the, again, the anti-prosperity messages, they're all around. You don't have to work to find them. Just go online <laughs> or, or listen to a conversation or watch TV or whatever, and you're going to see those. So we really want to be able to put that, that pro-prosperity mindset into our, again, into our, our unconscious and into our hearts. Do you think that this is a way to stay out of the ditch? Like, so if you're going down this path of the go-giver and you've got a ditch on one side that you're talking about of the anti-prosperity, you know, idea, that kind of thing. I'm not sure what the other ditch would be, but are, are you describing a way to stay on the go-giver path and prosperity isn't necessarily driving why you're adding value to someone else? I know that from, from the books and, and uh, you know, I just finished the go-giver sells more and it's, again, it's reiterating the same principles, but are you describing kind of the way to stay on the path of being a go-giver or am I off on that? No, I think it's a great way to put it. I mean, I, I think if you, if you do this, if you're, you know, again, if your focus is in the right place, if it's a genuine and authentic focus on bringing value to others, prosperity is simply the result. Prosperity is what, what takes place. And, uh, you know, and, and there's prosperity in many areas. There's prosperity in terms of financial, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational. And they all, you know, the universal laws are universal laws and they work across the board as Pindar, the mentor in the story, told Joe. So, uh, you know, I think there's a, a real way of being in harmony with life. And, you know, and these principles are John David Manns and I, way, my way of, of kind of sharing those. One of the things that you, you that I mentioned before, all of the different areas that the book covers with mentorship and service and value and influence and all of that, 
uh, I want to key in on just just mentorship just for a second uh, because I have gained and a, a depth of richness in relationship because of having mentors pour into me. Uh, I was just texting uh, with with my longest standing mentor yesterday, um, and it had nothing to do <laughs> with like a huge decision or anything. It was about actually about fishing. Um, so there's a depth there. So what's what's the thing? or things that people should avoid when looking for a mentor? I think what a lot of people do that is counterproductive is the way they approach a person who they'd like to have mentor them. So they might reach out to someone either online or it could be by phone, could be in person, where the medium itself isn't isn't important, but they'll reach out to someone with whom they don't really have a relationship and they'll just say something like, uh, you know, hey, uh, I need help, will you be my mentor? And in a sense, just just asking someone like that, uh, it's sort of like saying, hey, would you share with me 30 years of your life experience, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it might come across as a bit entitled and. Yeah. And and so forth. And so now that aside, you certainly can approach anyone. uh, But but the way you'd ask, I think you do it differently and it's it's more productive. And that is just to say to this person. You know, I, I know you're very busy. If this is something you simply either don't have the time to do or for any reason you'd rather not, I'll absolutely understand. I'm wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, when you ask that way, you're doing several things. One is you've, again, you, you have respected the process. Uh, you haven't come across as entitled. Uh, you in, instead let them know right up front, you know, this is something big and that you don't take it lightly. Uh, secondly, you, um, um, you were, you were, you gave them an out or a back door. This is very important. Uh, you said, you know, if for any reason, you know, you, you would rather not, I'll absolutely understand. Um, an out or back door is sort of an emotional escape route. And this is very important uh, because it takes the pressure off that other person. And they're going to be much more likely to see you as someone who is is safe, you know, who is not going to try to pressure them, is not going to bother them, who respects their time. Uh, my, you know, what I call Berg's law of the out or back door is that the bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. Yeah. And then the third thing you've done is you were very specific rather than just, you know, asking for their advice or wanting to pick their brain, right? You have instead been very specific. You said one or two, might I ask, or may I ask one or two very specific questions? This again says to this person, it distinguishes you from everyone else who, you know, is maybe going to waste their time, right? This person obviously knows what they want to ask me, right? They, they have an agenda. In this case, agenda is a positive, (laughs) right? And, and so they're much more likely, not always, but much more likely to say, sure, go ahead. How can I help? Um, now, you know, this, at this point, what you want to do is when you do talk to them, you want to make sure first to have researched them so thoroughly that you don't ask them something that you could have found out through research. That's, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, you also want to make sure you don't take a lot of their time and, and that you, you know, as soon as you have your answers, you thank them profusely, let them know how grateful you are. You, you will apply their wisdom right away. And would it be okay if I, uh, kept in touch from time to time and just to update you? And so, and they're going to say, Oh yeah, of course, absolutely. Now, 
the next thing I would do is I would write a handwritten, brief, handwritten, personalized note of thanks. Um, not a text, not an email. And I'd say, you know, we just say, you know, dear, you know, whoever it is, um, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. You know, your, your wisdom is, is priceless. I look forward to applying it right away. As mentioned, I will be in touch and let you know how things are progressing. You know, again, many thanks, best regards, Bob, that's it. Put it in a envelope, uh, hand write the envelope, hand stamp it, send it out right away. That will write there again. It makes you special, makes you. Now, the other thing I would suggest is send a, uh, just even a small donation doesn't have to be anything big, but a small donation to their favorite charitable cause or, or, you know, whatever they, and which again, you can easily find that online when you research them, or you can call their ad administrative assistant, find out and make the small donation in their name. It'll get back to them and you're not doing it to kiss up or anything. You're doing it again, just so that they know that you respect the process and are grateful and, you, and that you want to in some way give value to them, even if it's not the same way they are, are to you. Now, what you do, do from here, because remember, a, a, a mentor-protege relationship is just that. It's a relationship. And, and you know, you might, uh, again, get back with them in a couple of weeks or a few weeks, maybe ask another, let them know how things are going, ask another question, maybe uh, in, and in time, a, a mentor-protege ongoing relationship may develop, or it may not. That might be the only conversation you have with them, or you might have one or two more, and you'll meet at someone else. And so and you'll, you'll go through this the same way. And, and again, eventually you might find that mentor. You might not have one mentor. It might be a series of people, and, and you're building a network of mentorship and and so forth. And, you know, it, it, and that's sort of how it goes. But if you'll do it, uh, if a person will do it this way, as opposed to just the, hey, will you mentor me? Uh, I believe they're going to find a lot more. It's great practical application for mentorship, and, and it's obviously proven. And I thank you for sharing all that. Uh, the next question that I have for you is just for fun, but I did a little research on you as well. So what's your favorite animal? Well, I love all animals. So that's uh, what I, I that's what I saw. I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. how this one would land. I yet. mean, I, I, I think I have a special relationship with dogs. Okay. You know, but, but I, I love all of them. There's, there's not an animal I could ever imagine not loving. Okay. Um, even mosquitoes? In, in their own way. I certainly don't want to hang out with them. <laughs> That's fair. That's but fair. I, but uh, I honor their, you know, I honor their right their to life. In the, yeah. Their place in the, in the circle. Yeah, sure. This one ties, I guess, in a tertiary sense to, to this whole topic, but I, I, what are you most grateful for? Most grateful that I had fantastic parents growing up and I'm grateful that I've, you know, had to, that I've been able to have a, a very rewarding, joyful career. Uh, I just was reading this morning about, you know, in all things giving thanks and um, wanted to ask you that based on uh, value. And, and uh, I think it's very easy, at least for me and people like me probably to uh, get through a task, hit a goal and move on to the very next thing. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I'm not going to chase my curiosity on family dynamics, even though I'm interested in that. But I am going to ask this next question based on value for our listeners. So what questions do you think I should have asked you so far in order to give the most value to our listeners? Oh, I think you've done a great job. You've asked some wonderful questions. 
So and you've made it very easy for me to, you know, to, to be an interviewee. And that's always important. Good. Well, I have been uh, so grateful for your work. Very happy uh, that uh, Mr. Arlen Sorensen, you know, pushed me your way. He lives this thing out as, as you know. Oh, well, Arlen is, you know, he, he is one of my all time heroes. So I can't, I can't say enough. And, and I know John David Mann feels the same way about him, but Arlen is, you know, if you, if you take the word go get, you know, it's that old joke. If you take the word go look up in the dictionary, it'd have his picture. Well, you know, something it, it darn well should have his picture because he's the ultimate embodiment of it. I, I love it. And uh, I thought it would be great to, as a way of closing out, if you could speak directly to our listeners, you know, the, the, the skeptics, the nonprofit leader, the business, small business executive, stay-at-home mom who's getting back into the workforce, new college grads, you know, what, what, what would you want to leave the listeners with? Well, it's probably an understanding if, if you're talking about, uh, and you brought up the word skeptical, if someone's skeptical about the, you know, the go-giver way, which is, again, uh, focusing on bringing value to others. Uh, again, not in a self-sacrificial way. It's understanding that to the degree you bring value to others, others are going to appreciate you. They're going to know, like, and trust you. They're going to want to do business with you. So it's understanding that we're not talking about something self-sacrificial. We're talking about the best way to do business, both in terms of how it feels to do it that way, but also profitability. Again, they're, they're not going to do business with you for your reasons. They're going to do business with you for their reasons. We learned that from Dale Carnegie and how to win friends and influence people almost a hundred years ago. So uh, I think as long as we keep in mind that to the degree that we, we focus on bringing value to the lives of others, that's the degree that, that we will create that, what we call benevolent context for success. Well, Bob, thank you. Uh, this has been a highlight for me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation you can't get time back. And so thank you for investing in us uh, with the impact of leadership, investing in you know millions of different people through the writings. And uh, thank you for this. I hope that you have a fantastic rest of the day and that this brings a little bit more joy to your life. And you get a couple more handwritten notes of your influence on other people as well. <laughs> Absolutely, Steve. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. It's just an honor to be on your uh, on your podcast. So thank you. Here's the part in the show where I list off takeaways and action items. I love this part because I try to synthesize down uh, what you just heard for the last 25, 30 minutes and into some takeaways and action items. So here we go. First of all, takeaways. Number one, money is the thunder to values lightning. It's the result of value, not the other way around. Two, people are not going to buy from you just because you've got a quota. Three, being a go-giver isn't self-sacrificing just in and of itself. There's happiness, joy, prosperity that encompasses this principle. Now, sidebar, in the same vein of thought, there's a principle that I thought of that wasn't pertinent to the conversation there. Didn't want to derail Bob. Uh, it's called Christian Hedonism by a pastor that I love up in Minnesota. You should check it out because those words are in opposition. Uh, similar to the paradox that Bob's presenting, Pastor John uh, says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Say what? Don't get derailed with that. Just know this is expanding your thought process. Money follows value, not the other way around. Give away value. The money will follow. Action items. 
get the go-giver and read it with your team. I'm talking about doing that right now. I just talked to a guy yesterday about going through it together with him. Number two, get a mentor, but don't be that, don't be that person that Bob described. Hey, you've got nice teeth. Want to get married and be my mentor? Uh, number three, send hand, handwritten notes. I expanded that a little bit from what Bob said because I just, confession time, I got away from sending handwritten notes out. For the first three years of the podcast, I sent a handwritten note to every single guest with a little gift based on our conversation. I don't say that for any other reason other than for you to know I fell off. I need to go back to that, to send, hand, send handwritten notes to those folks that I appreciate. And if you get a mentor, send them a note as well. Number four, learn something and apply it that very day. Don't just collect lessons like baseball cards and then revisit them once in a while. Oh, it doesn't that look nice. No, learn something and apply it that very day. The last one, number five, I, I couldn't help myself. There's a lot here. Number five, maybe start with your social media today. What do I mean? Comment, make connections for others, send encouragement to a former boss, etc. This does not replace anything else that I mentioned, but I just thought this is a really practical thing. Instead of just scrolling through and seeing what people are up to, pause, write a thoughtful comment, tag some people, do it a couple times. Now, if you liked what you heard, I have a simple ask, send it to someone. We want to bring value to uh, more people like yourself and we don't know your friends. So we need your help to get this message out. If you leave a comment or review, we read all of them. And that also helps us know that it's not just Patrick's mom listening to this episode. Scroll down to see the spot that says show notes. I, I put it in there all bold and capital just so people know that it's not some ambiguous place. Scroll down, show notes, and find links to follow up with Bob uh, to get his book, to get his uh, get on his uh, email list, and also to, to follow up with Impact of Leadership with us. We've got all kinds of social media stuff and free stuff for you. For example, we've got over 130 other episodes in our podcast library and over 75 blogs with practical leadership lessons. Check the notes and hit those links for more. I can't wait to be with you again soon, but until then, from us at the Impact of Leadership, thank you so much for listening.